Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Excuse me. Good morning. <laughs> wow, what a way to start, right? <laughs> yes, it's not an act. I've been battling on a couple fronts this week. So bear with me, please. As uh, you can tell, my voice is not 100%, but I'm going to proclaim the word of God uh, for you and, and uh, to you. Uh, and uh, it is a privilege to do so. My name is Carlo Mendoza, one of your Sunrise pastors. So welcome everyone here in person and for those online. Thank you. Thank you for that. Hey, so we are living in a day and age where they've called it the postmodern era, right? Have you heard of that term, postmodernism? Even some would add that we live in a post-Christian time, right, where the Truths of the Bible are not taken as absolute truth. And, and during this uh, time in, in our lives, there's been an attack on absolute truth, right? And uh, that uh, is uh, a notion that there can be truth claims that are universally valid for anyone, anywhere, at any time, in every circumstance, no matter what, right? And so those are often rejected because they're attached to, you would probably consider biblical moral principles or the uh, Judeo-Christian ethics that, that uh, we, we've known for so long. And so what they've combated that with or, or replaced that with is the notion of relative truth. And, and that means that something is, true for you, but it's not necessarily true for me, right? Uh, and, and to help uh, maybe understand that a little better, to, to help understand, well, how did that gain so much steam and popularity? I want you to picture the number six laying on the ground. I don't know if we have it here on the screen, but just picture that number, right? And depending on where you're looking, you might say, well, that's a, a six, well, no, well, you know, I, I see what you're saying, but, but I see the number nine, right? And so some people have collectively said, that's wisdom right there, right? That, that you can be right, and I don't have to be wrong. And on the surface, that might seem, again, like wisdom and, and uh, insightful, and, and maybe you're like, mm-hmm, that's what I've been saying, <laughs> right? Christianity is just one of many ways. And it goes as far as to, to, to have the idea that, well, you know what I see? I see a lowercase g. Well, well, well I see a capital G. Well, well, I see, that's how I write my cues sometimes. Right, right? So you can see how this can get away from us pretty quickly. And again, this might seem harmless, even inspiring to people. But if we are to approach this with caution, this can be very damaging to us. In fact, this type of lie, this type of strategy can keep us from what God wants for us. 
This can keep us from the best blessings that God has in store for us. And I'm not speaking necessarily of monetary wealth or, or, or healthiness uh, in, in those terms. All right. And so I want you to understand that, that if you take that approach to truth, that, that it's relative, right, that it's subjective or, or, or objective, excuse me, that it depends on, on your experience or your perspective, you could be in danger. Because this results in catchphrases like, follow your heart, or speak your truth, live your truth. Right, again, it can be inspiring, right? You can even celebrate an entire month on these kinds of matters. But it's dangerous because if we stay in those lies, it's not a white lie. It's a dangerous lie, potentially, that we could believe in, a damnable lie. So when we discover the absolute truth of God's word as he reveals it to us, then we can be set free from the lies we believe and we can join the fight for truth. Last week, uh, Pastor John kicked off our uh, teaching with, with battle ready and we learned a lot, didn't we? We learned what spiritual warfare is, who our enemy is, the fact that we're in an invisible war. Let me just remind you of a few verses that were mentioned. Ephesians six twelve: for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right? We have a primary enemy, and it's not each other. It's not even of human origin. Of course, you might be tricked into believing that that's the case, but it's really not. And just in case you haven't figured out who this malevolent mastermind behind all the demonic darkness that we see in our world is, just go back to verse 11 in Ephesians 6, and it tells us, to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's our biggest battle. It's spiritual, it's not physical. And that means that our weapons are not physical, they're spiritual. For every satanic scheme and strategy that is hurled at you, the good news is you and I have an answer to that. It's found in the full armor of God where we can combat anything that comes our way that is, again, of darkness, of falsehood. And as we look at this, the Apostle Paul was, who wrote the letter, right, to, to the church in Ephesus, and he did so while he was in prison. He was most likely attached to a Roman guard. That's why he was so familiar with their attire. Right? And he goes on to list that, and the first piece he lists is this belt of truth. And as I've been looking at this, it's no coincidence that he starts with the truth. It's not like, oh, I got to start somewhere. No, the, the Holy Spirit inspired him to do such because it's key that uh, it goes first. Let me give just a few vital uh, reasons that, that soldiers wore this belt. First of all, the, the soldiers, soldiers would wear uh, loose-fitting tunics, right, kind of like a gown, right? And so they would use that belt to cinch it up. Right, so they would feel uh, secure, right? They, they, they could be mobile, that they could be free. Another thing that the belt did was it, it acted like a, a utility belt of sorts, right? And so it had the sheath for the sword. It, it had a place for a, a dagger. And then 
Uh, thirdly, it, it held everything together, right? And, and, and in doing so, it also had this elongated section in the front. So as you see, right, this was in its place for obvious reasons. Let's just say it protected the family jewels, <laughs> right? Uh, if you, you get hit with a low blow, right, that's no bueno, like no mas, right? I don't, I don't want to continue, right? So th- th- it had its practical purposes as well. But, but again, you could see that it, it was not just merely for fashion, right? It had a purpose in warfare. And so without that girded belt, the, the soldier w- would be preoccupied with, with uh, uh, just, you know, having to gather himself constantly. And he, he would lose uh, his confidence in the heat of battle and, again, ha- would have to uh, collect himself and, and, and lose his concentration as he was Again, in battle, risking his life, fighting for the Roman cause. And so this belt, as foundational as it was to the Roman soldier, truth is foundational to the Christian in regard to spiritual warfare. Let me bring you to Ephesians 6, 11, and 13 and 14, because this is no coincidence either. Right, so the belt of truth, it's foundational, it's connected to all the other pieces of armor, right, to some degree. It's, it's, the belt of truth is connected to the breastplate of righteousness. It alleviated some of that weight. It's connected to the helmet of salvation, right, the truth of God's word is connected to salvation, connected to our faith, connected to, obviously, the, the word of God, connected to the gospel. So you see, again, it, it is um, a foundational piece. But it says in, in these verses to stand, I want you to notice every occurrence, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against, again, the devil's schemes. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Do you know what Paul is saying here? These are actually God-given commands to the Christian soldier. He's telling you, you have to stand. These are orders, right, from the very top to to stand your ground. And as soldiers of Christ, as we've been given this uh, command to stand against Satan, in other words, to be battle ready, it's not an option. If you're not fighting, you're a casualty of war. It's just what it is, right? There's, There's no neutral ground. And I know it, it, it can be intense, but, but, but this is the tone of the text. This has been happening since the beginning. This is nothing new. In fact, if you recall in the Garden of Eden, right, the crafty serpent, the, the craftiest creature that was ever created, lied to Eve, deceived Eve, right, twisting the scripture and outright going against what God had cl- clearly said. If that wasn't enough, Satan himself goes in, into the, the, the desert, right, the wilderness where Jesus is fasting. And he goes against Jesus himself. And this happens today. This is happening on a daily basis. The enemy is lying to you and to me every single day. So I just want you to understand that this war is nothing to take lightly. In fact, in 1 Timothy 4.1 Listen to how Paul puts it to his protege. 
The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Listen to what Jesus said about a group of Jewish people who refused to believe in him. He said in John 8, 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, not if, when, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Every single ideology that goes against the word of God, the biblical principles that we have come to, to know are, again, demonically energized, right? It's not a coincidence, whether it's in religion or, or just worldly and secular ideas, and I don't even have to list them. That's how prevalent they are, right? You, you're, you're already thinking of some, and you might even be questioning, could he be talking about that? If it goes against God's word, I am, and more importantly, God is. Right? And so we've all been influenced by these lies, whether you believe it or not. Right? And our children are being indoctrinated by these lies, whether you want them to or not. My daughter, not too long ago, one of them describing a, a boy who liked to play with girl toys, said he's multigender, right? And both me and my wife were like, excuse me? Where, where'd you... You know, we weren't, she wasn't in trouble. We're just like, well, where'd you hear that, honey? Oh, I don't remember. I can tell you this much. She didn't hear it from us. She didn't hear it at home. Right? And, and so it's out there. And so we have to be mindful that this level of deception is off the charts when it comes to the deceitful nature of Satan. When Jesus walked this earth, these same lies, right, or the source of these lies would fuel certain Jewish uh, leaders of his day to plot his murder. Right? And I want to go uh, and, and uh, look at an account in John 18. And I want to answer a question today. I want you to answer a question with me. And that question is, what is truth? But as you locate that in, in your Bibles, just by a little way of context here, so uh, Jesus shared his final meal with his disciples he afterwards was in deep prayer about submitting to God's will as the impending death by way of crucifixion was weighing on him. And as he was praying, he also included a prayer for his disciples, including you and I, right? A prayer that, that they would be united in Christ, a prayer that uh, they would stand for the truth, a, a, a prayer that they would be protected from Satan. And it picks up in verse 2. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place. Why? <laughs> because Jesus had often met there with his disciples, including him. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torture, torture, excuse me, lanterns and weapons. So first off, we see Judas Iscariot, who was badly deceived by Satan. It says in another account that Satan entered him, right? He was so deceived that, that he sells out his, his friend, right, for 30 pieces of silver. And after doing so, he, he pockets this blood money, and he heads out and, and led this 
armed a special task force to, to one of their regular spots, another garden called Gethsemane. And so this is in the middle of the night, right? So there are soldiers wielding swords, right? There are chief priests holding clubs. The rest are holding and carrying torches. And they all kind of storm in this area. They spot him. And instead of cowering in fear, hiding behind the shadows, Jesus courageously steps up, right? And this wasn't like two gangs, right, with some street beef, right? They, coming up to Jesus like, hey, I say, where are you from? <laughs> and Jesus like, from Nazareth, Holmes, what's up? <laughs> that way, it wasn't like that. Jesus was calm, right? He, he was claiming his deity. He was, he was also bold in, in, in saying who he was. But, but listen to, to what happens there in verse 4. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, and that also included the death that he was soon to face, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he. Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. This is powerful, right? Again, Jesus saying, equating himself with God, right? The covenant name, I am, Yahweh, right? In, in the Old Testament, he's using that in a sense. And so they all fall back when he claims who he is. And, you know, that wasn't just a demonstration of his divine power. I believe that that was a gracious warning to everybody involved. You are on the wrong side of truth. This is a warning. They all get back up. And they don't heed that warning. And they come back for more. They didn't get the hint. And so Jesus says, look no further. I'm he. I was never hiding from you guys. And I'm not hiding now. Verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? So this is consistent with the brash character of Peter, right? He, he's quick to jump up. He, he pulls out his sword. Everybody was packing. The other disciples were packing swords too, right? And, and, but he's the one that brandishes, and he's, he's I'm going to go down swinging. Like this is to defend, this is for the honor of Jesus, right? And, and all of us were like, man, yeah, I wish I would do that too, or I think I, I, I would like to think I would do that. And so what happens to Peter? Does he get commended for what he does no he gets corrected does he get rewarded for for what he does no he gets reprimanded but why right jesus was wrongly arrested he was falsely accused and jesus is like hey let it slide verse 12 then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the jewish officials arrested jesus they bound him and brought him first to annas who was the father-in-law of caiaphas the high priest that year. So mission accomplished. They set out what they intended to do. They did this in the guise of, of, of darkness as, as to not cause a scene, as to not uh, start a riot, right? Again, because what they were doing was so, so wrong on so many levels. But as they capture Jesus, as they bring him in, first Annas has this shot at him, and, and he's like the former high priest, right? So he has some clout, some influence still, but he gets his shots in, Right, he questions Jesus and his followers and his message. 
But then after Annas is done with them, he's like, hey, take him to Caiaphas because he was the acting current high priest. And so Caiaphas does what he does. Uh, and then he brings him to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, who's the governor of Judea. And then Pilate gets Jesus uh, in front of him. By this time, it's the break of dawn. Pilate's like, look, this is way too early to be coming with me with some nonsense like this. They're like, no, 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 no. This is, this is worth your time. Governor Pilate, right? You want to deal with him. He's an enemy of the state. The, 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 the claims he's making, that, that he's a king, which again goes against Roman rule, right? So if you're not submitting to the rule of Rome, then you're an enemy of the emperor. But Pilate figures this out. He's like, wait, isn't he from Galilee? It's like, man, bust him over to, to, to Herod, right? That's his jurisdiction, right? So he goes to, to Herod after this. And, and so you can see Jesus just getting bounced around. And, and all the while, he was interrogated, he was ridiculed, he was mocked, he was punched, he was slapped, he was spit on. And then he gets back into Pilate's hands. Verse 31. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And they said, but we have no right to execute anyone. Aha, that's it, that's it. That's the reason. They wanted Pilate to do his dirty work, right? They, they wanted Pilate to murder Jesus. And so in verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are, are you the king of the Jews? It's like, look, what, what they're saying against you you know, they're trying to end your life. If you just deny this, then, you know, you'll get a slap on the wrist instead of a cross on your back. Verse 36 and 37, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. And then Pilate says, you are a king then. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to this truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So Pilate gets it straight from the source. Right? Jesus tells him, hey, from your lips to my ears, right, to God's ears, you're speaking truth. I'm a king. But you don't even understand. You have no idea what my kingdom is all about. But then he asks this question that I mentioned earlier, Pilate does, that I want to answer today. What is truth? In verse 38, what is truth, retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Basically saying, look, let the punishment fit the crime. He's definitely not worthy of death. But Pilate asks, asks this question scornfully, right, with contempt, with disdain. It's like, what is truth? I want you to ask this question in a different manner. I want you to ask it sincerely, with faith, with a genuine heart. That's my hope. And so let me give you three answers about truth today for the remainder of our time. First off, truth is a weapon. Truth is a weapon. Now, 
Let me make this painfully clear. This weapon is not to be used against each other, right? We made that point earlier that our enemy is not flesh and blood. This weapon is to be used on ourselves, right? If you want to weaponize the truth, do it to combat the lies that you are believing, right? We're called to take this stand for truth, but, but do so introspectively, right? Don't do this like you're a human lie detector, right? Or like you're Wonder Woman trying to wrap a lasso around someone and say, hey, you've been living a lie. This is not a green light for you to be the truth police and, and leave here and, and go on social media and just comment about how everything's a lie. There's a time and place for that. Don't get me wrong, right? Even the Apostle Paul tells the same Christians in Ephesus to speak the truth in love. But I want to emphasize today for you to use the truth to combat the lies in your life, right? To, to break the grip that the enemy has on you. But if you're not willing to let it out there and say, yeah, I've been living a lie, then that's where the enemy has more power. There's a difference between privacy and secrecy. The lie that you're believing is the lie that most likely you're keeping secret. Listen to what it says back in Ephesians 6.13. I just want to highlight a few points here. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, it's coming your way. It might be today. It might have been yesterday, and it's going to be there tomorrow. When that day comes, what do we need to do? Stand firm, right? Stand your ground. Do everything to stand with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. If you say, oh, yeah, I know there's a belt of truth. Oh, yeah, I, I know God's word is true. I, I, I wouldn't waste a breath trying to argue that that's the case. Some might, but maybe you're like, no, I won't. But you won't use it. That's like a seatbelt that you won't fasten, right? It's useless in regards to safety. It's the same thing with the belt of truth. We need to use this. See, it's one thing to know the truth and choose to live the lie versus not knowing it at all. But listen to what Paul says again, 2 Corinthians 10. We looked at this last week, but I, I believe it, it, it bears repeating. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Have you heard that term, false pretense? Right, so it helps you get an idea of what we're talking. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What lies are you believing today? Maybe it's a lie of bitterness. And say, so, you know, I'm going I'm to believe the lie that holding a grudge is better than extending forgiveness because it's easier to do so, right? Maybe it's the lie of hopelessness, and, and you're believing the lie that God won't help me be a better whatever, Husband, father, mom, parent, Christian, right? Or, or maybe you're feeling ho hopeless in regard to the addictions that you're facing, right? Whether it's anger or alcohol or lust and, and adultery and, and things of, of that sort. Maybe it's a lie of loneliness saying, you know, I don't believe that, that God is there for me. He, he can't forgive me that, that he's forsaken me. That's the exact opposite of what God's word says. Believe. In him, or maybe it's a lie of selfishness, believing that your way is better than God's way when it comes to money or 
possessions or, or sex. The list goes on. This is where the real battle is, guys. This is where it's at. This is why Jesus didn't wipe out that entourage that came. This, this is why Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is essentially not of this world. It, it's not temporal. It's eternal, and you have no clue. This is why Jesus commanded Peter to put his sword away. In fact, in another account, in Matthew 26, look what it says. He tells him to put your sword back in its place, right, to Peter. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. And then he says, do, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels when it takes one to wipe out an entire city in a blink of an eye? Jesus saying, you don't even understand. He was fighting at a different level, right, in another realm. Again, truth is a weapon. Combat the lies in your life. Because once you do, you're going to start thinking differently. You're going to start living differently. And it's all because of the power of God's truth. Here's the second thing. Truth is an option. Because the reality is we can stay enslaved to our sin, right? Many of you here today are probably become experts at it. I know I have in, in, in some case, right? I, I mean, it's just what I have to do. Right? And the enemy uses that and says, you know what? It's you stay enslaved to your sin. Because there's no way that you can claim, right? The, the, did you understand what I'm saying? That it's that crafty. It, it's that much of a war that, that we need to realize is happening. And, and, and here are the options. Listen to what the, the apostle Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 1. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth. Right? Who just keep pushing it down. Say, I know, I know, but I'm going to live my truth. And then it goes on, right? Uh, it says it's by their wickedness in verse 25. They exchange the truth of God. For what? A lie. They exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And... Again, it's an option that we need to make. You can convince yourself all day. Truth is relative. Look, I, I know what God says, but I believe this. And, I, you know, I agree with a lot of what God says, but I believe this. It's an option for us. This is basically what Pilate did. Right? He initially declared Jesus innocent, right? He's like, I have no charge against him. What are you guys doing? Well, you want to kill him? I don't see that being ju just, right? And so eventually, though, he caves in to the so-called truth of the council of Jewish leaders. And then Pilate, again, given that option, even with the embodiment of truth standing right in front of him, chooses to lie. And then Pilate even flips it back on this mob, this mobocracy, right? And it's like, look, you guys, you guys figure it out, right? Are, are you serious? Like, I'm going to give you one, because th this dawned on him probably last second that, hey, we have a custom. I can release one of the other prisoners, or I can release a prisoner, or I can actually release Jesus to you. Or do you want to take Barabbas? 
right? He flipped it back on them, and they chose the lie. You, you know why Pilate caved in to some degree? Because they were very loud, right? They, they, they were chanting, crucify him, crucify him. Do you know in our world today, the culture is very loud, right? But it, it's not whoever's the loudest. That's true. Some of us have, have, have given into this, right? Have been duped by this. They chose to believe the lie. Listen to what Jesus said in John 8 concerning a group of, of would-be followers. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if, conditional, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly or really my disciples. What's the result? If you do, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it's an option. But I want you to choose what's right in God's sight. Choose what's right in God's sight. Notice I didn't say choose what's right in your sight. Because, uh, again, we battle with this every single moment. Not choose what feels right to you right now. Not, not choose what's popular at the moment. Not choose what's easiest on everyone. Not choose truth from your perspective. But choose what's right according to God's sight. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Choose what's right in God's sight. Truth is timeless. It is always what's right, no matter what our culture says, no matter what our condition is. And if you choose truth, you're going to choose life. You're going to choose liberation. You're going to choose freedom. The last answer I want to give is that truth is a person. Truth is a person. Jesus said this about himself. In this story that I shared with you, Judas, Annas, Caiaphas, Pilate, Herod, the Roman soldiers, the chief priests, they all rejected the truth. They all refused to believe in Jesus, right, that he was telling them the truth. And I don't know why they did so. I don't know why they rejected the kingship and lordship of Jesus over their lives. I don't know what their motivation was. Maybe it was to, for, for the love of money, right? We know Judas, that played a part. To, to maintain power or, or to gain control or, or to keep their tradition. Or maybe it was just too much pride to, to swallow. But in all those cases, they refused to acknowledge who Jesus was. And Jesus said this about himself. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you can be sincere about believing something else, but you will be sincerely wrong. Remember what I mentioned as far as the last-ditch effort with Pilate trying to get on the side of truth? Let me read the, those verses in John 18, 39. He says, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews, please? Yes? Because that would definitely ease my conscience because I think he's innocent. Or, as they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in that uprising, right, the insurrection. He was a bona fide killer. Who are you going to choose today? Are you going to choose Jesus? 
If you do, you're going to release the power of Jesus in your life. Or you're going to choose Barabbas and say, no, no, no. I'm going to continue to believe the lie. Truth is a person. I'm asking you to come into a relationship with Christ. Again, not to know the truth up here, but to come into a relationship with Christ. I want to go back to John 18, verse 37. It says, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And I wanted to show you that because I believe that Jesus is testifying to the truth today. I believe that he's speaking to all of you today. He's doing so in, in a couple different ways. He's doing so if you haven't entered into a relationship with him, he's asking you to come into a relationship with me. He's testifying about himself. I want to go back to that picture we saw earlier, right? The, the, the number on the ground. Is it a six or is it a nine? Jesus came to testify of the truth. All we have to go to is the source, right? Well, who, who wrote that number? It's a nine. God, it was me. Who made you? was God. You can know absolute truth because Jesus is testifying to it right now. He's saying, listen to me. Listen to me. Satan always lies. Always. Jesus always tells the truth. I'm convinced that Jesus is speaking to you today. He wants to help you. He wants to help you break that stronghold. He wants to help you enter into a relationship. If you're not familiar with the end of the story, they chose Barabbas. Barabbas to live and Jesus to die. And Jesus would die for Barabbas and he would die for you. Jesus would be flogged. Jesus would be crucified in your place. Jesus would die for the lies that we believed, that you believed that I believed, but then Jesus would rise from the grave so he could let you know that there is truth to his power, truth to his love, so you can experience that. He would rise from the grave so you could have his power now and eternal life forever. But you have to listen to him. You have to obey him. And so I want to lead you in prayer. I want to lead you in prayer for those in the room that have never made that deliberate decision to receive Christ to come into a relationship with him. And then I also want to pray for anyone out there that is struggling to not give in to the lies, to believe the truth of God's word and stop living a lie. And so this is what I want you to do. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. And I want every heart open, please. And if you've never entered into a relationship with Christ, would you just... Call out to him today and say, Jesus, I believe you. I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God. No one goes to heaven apart from you. And I believe that you died for me so I can be forgiven. That you died in my place 
so I could be free. I also believe you rose from the grave and you have life after death and are willing to give me life after death. I receive that now. Help me live for you and the truth of your word. And then for those who already surrendered their lives to Christ and are struggling with a stronghold, would you cry out to Jesus as well? Say, Jesus, I'm listening. I need your power. I need your divine power to break these strongholds in my life. I'm tired of living the lie of, and you tell God whatever it is. And I'm willing to believe the truth of your word and use it as a weapon to combat the lies in my life so I can be free. Today I choose Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, maybe it was to receive Christ for the first time. I want you to do a a, a couple different things here. If you're watching online, please text the word next to the number you see on the screen. We just want to help you. You weren't meant to do this alone. Lord knows I didn't. I have so many people helping me and even now praying for me and and, and moving forward and and growing in the Lord. And you need the same thing. So that's what we want to do for you. Or maybe it was just to break a stronghold or you just need more help, whatever it is. Text that word next to to 909-281-7797. And if you're here in the room today, you can do a couple different things. You can text the same uh, way that we uh, asked our online campus to do or on your connection, you can check, I I said yes to Jesus. And, And we want to help you. I personally want, want to reach out to you and help you take that step. You can go to the, to the next step table in the back and do the same thing. As we wrap this all up, we answered the question today. What is truth? Truth is a weapon. Combat the lies in your life. You'll never be the same. Truth is an option. Right? You have to choose to do it. You have to choose to do what's right in God's sight. Again, when you make that decision, you'll never regret it. And neither will your family members or loved ones because it'll impact their lives as well. And then the lasting truth is a person. Receive Jesus. It's the most important decision anyone can ever make. Amen. You guys believe that? Praise the Lord. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.